0: This is Deepa from DeepaBrar.com and you're listening to the Deep Beauty Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Deep Beauty Podcast. We have a special interview today. This is something that is super near and dear to my heart. We are going to talk about depression in the South Asian community. I have Faria Akram on the line here with me today. How are you doing, Faria?
1: I'm doing great. How about you?
0: I'm good. So Faria works for a few different outlets. Um She works for Brown Girl Magazine. You guys will remember that I interviewed Trisha a little while back, um, as well as munmukthi.com, which is a website dedicated to helping people in the South Asian community that are going through depression. So Faria, you've been very open about your journey with mental health. Why don't you share a little bit about your story with us and why you felt it was important to share? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, So just to clarify, it's actually manmukti.org. and. Yeah, and we help or we're here kind of as a place for South Asians who are struggling with any kind of mental illness to come share their story, uh, listen to other people's stories and, and just connect and know that they're not alone. Uh, so I just want to make sure that was out there. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, so in regards to my story, I have dealt with depression and anxiety for most of my life. Um, I have generalized anxiety disorder. And it was something that, especially in the beginning, I kind of didn't know what was wrong with me, so to say. Um, It was a struggle and I, thankfully, you know, my school counselor kind of recognized it when I was in my teens and recommended that I go to a therapist and that helped and that was a good start. And I'm really thankful my parents agreed to that. And since then, kind of on and off, it's been something I struggled with and I felt very alone while struggling with it, especially in college because I moved away from home. I was born and raised in the small town in Texas my entire life and I hadn't gone elsewhere. And I, I go to college and I'm alone and you know, your life's changing and and problems are cropping up and you don't really know what to do. And then that's when my anxiety and depression really manifested itself. And I remember thinking that I'm kind of the only one dealing with it. And especially in the South Asian Muslim community that I was a part of at UT, I was like, I'm just alone in this and I'm weird. And there's something wrong with me, which Hmm. made it even harder, right? Because you're not going to get help with negative thoughts like that. So it was a really long time, um, until I started just speaking up about it towards the end of my college uh, year, my last year, I was like, this is not okay. This shouldn't be okay. And I started being vocal about my, my own mental health issues. And being vocal through that got me connected with a friend who was connected with some people at Mun Mukti. The organization was kind of building itself up at the time. And he was like, hey, do you want to help out because you're passionate about this stuff? And I was like, sure. And yep, that's how I got there. <laughs>
0: Well, I think it's really, I think it's super important to share, you know, I feel like there's so much beauty in our culture, but the one thing that it just, it it really bothers me is that air of perfection that we all put out there. Like we don't have any problems, you know, everything is perfect and you're not supposed to talk about things that go on at home. And we're, I mean, all of us that are, you know, listening that grew up in the South Asian community, I'm sure you, you all have experienced this in your life where it's like, just, you know, you're not supposed to air your dirty laundry in public. But I don't feel like that really serves anybody. So what? why do you feel like we don't talk about these things in our culture?
1: Definitely. So I think there's a few reasons. I think one... There's not really a history of talking about it. I don't have the numbers off my head, um, but it's something we worked on in Manmukti. If you look at South Asian countries like India and Pakistan, my family's from Pakistan, you'll see that over there, uh, the concept of mental health isn't really something that's people are really educated on or mm. talk about in a healthy way, right? If you admit to having mental health issues, you're considered boggle, right, yeah, or true. crazy. Yeah. Um, the amount of psychiatrists and psychologists that are available for that population, the ratio is you know, significantly wider than what it is in the U.S. Again, I can't remember the numbers, but there's not that many people there, right? So there's not really a culture to talk about it uh, to begin with. And that has to go with what you were mentioning about airing our our dirty laundry. You know, in South Asian circles, we want to be perfect. You know, we want our kids to to be perfect and and do well. And nobody wants to talk about taboo subjects, you know, Um, mental health being one of them, unfortunately. And I think it's because it's also not very transparent. Like, if you have a broken leg, people will see that you have a broken leg, you will be in pain, you'll go to a doctor, try to get it fixed, right? If you're suffering from depression or anxiety or anything, it's not easily seen. And especially people who haven't gone through something like that, or don't know someone who's gone through something like that. It's not something that's easy for them to kind of grasp. Their, their thoughts around, right? So I think yeah. that's one thing is it's not very transparent. It's also another thing that I've seen, my parents, you know, immigrated here from Pakistan. And a lot of what I've seen with children of immigrants is that your parents sacrificed so much and, and did so much work for themselves, mentally, emotionally, physically, so that you could have a better life, right? And I know looking yes. at just my family and family of friends that I have, I mean, my parents didn't have time to to grasp their mental health, right, if that was a thing. Like, they mm-hmm. were too busy trying to put food on the table for all of us. So, and you look at all that and, and, and your parents raise you here with comforts, you know, ideally that they've been able to give you through their hard work. And if you start to have mental health issues, it's like you have everything why are you suffering through this, right? Like you didn't have to struggle the way we did. You had um, a lot given to you. What are these problems that you're having? Like they don't understand it. And, and, and it's kind of hard to talk about it. And then you feel that you can feel that sense of guilt too. Then that you're right. Like I, I didn't have to struggle like this or, or suffer in this way. Um, you know, they were able to do so much and create a life for themselves. Why am I having barriers, right? Why is my mind giving me barriers? And again, all this is very personal to my story. Everyone's story is different. But those Mm -hmm. are some things that I can kind of see across the board is that we don't have a history of talking about mental health issues in the countries that we come from. And coming here, we've gone through so many other obstacles um, that mental health just doesn't seem like it should be one, right?
0: I love that you actually mentioned that because um, like about how, you know, Our parents uh, sacrificed so much to to get us here in the first place or to even like, you know, if we were born here to to have us here in this country in the first place that, you know, how dare we, you know, then complain about anything really. And it does put a lot of pressure on us growing up Mm -hmm. here that, you know, we've grown up with these luxuries that they didn't have, you know, what's wrong. And it's like something that you can't put your finger on. It's not like you have an actual wound on your skin that you can see it, you know. depression and anxiety is something completely different. So I really love that you mentioned that because it really definitely resonates.
1: Yeah. So one other thing about mental health when it comes to South Asian communities is that the South Asian society is so collectivist, right? The family is kind of the center of a lot of of what we do. And if you look at South Asians, you know, back in India or Pakistan or the countries that we're originally from, you'll see multiple generations, you know, living in one house, right, or one compound. So it's very much about the group. Um, And there's not too much of a sense of individualism, right? So Mm -hmm. that, I think, plays into mental health because, you know, your own thoughts, your own mind, what you're going through, that's not really seen um, because it's all about kind of the family and the group. And a lot of times people will sacrifice that, you know, individual desires or or needs or or whatnot for the group for the family so I think that's also present and making mental health kind of stigmatized over there and not talked about
0: yeah I think what you're saying serving your family that's that's Mm -hmm. that's such a big part of our community is putting your needs aside and just taking care of everybody else and that's where things really get messed up we're so encouraged to be completely selfless that you know, how are we supposed to take care of our own selves if we can't if we can't like take the time away from our families and, and, and look at our at ourselves? It's
1: funny because it's seen as a negative. So like I, my family's from a village in Pakistan. and I when I know when I go, multiple generations live in one house, and that's really funny because like I'm an extrovert, I love people. At the same time, I just need to kind of do my own thing, you know, kind of for my own peace. So, But when I do that, that's the interesting thing. When I do that, when I step away to read a book or just have 10 minutes by myself, my cousins will come in and they're like, what's wrong? Like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm fine. I just need me time. And that's when it really opened up my eyes. Like, me time isn't a thing, at least in my – so this is specific to my community, right? But me time wasn't like a concept over there. So I was like, if you don't have that concept of of connecting back to your own self and seeing if you're okay and what you need – then how are you going to talk about your mental health or, like, address that?
0: Yeah, so true. That is so true. Um, now, h- how do you feel like we can help each other and change our culture and the stigma surrounding mental health going forward?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things I really loved about when Mukti, um when I heard about the organization and, and really prompted me to join was their concept of storytelling, right? And it's something average people can do, right? You don't have to be a psychiatrist or, or medical professional in any way to help people. Just the concept of, like you said, of, of talking about it, because we don't talk about it. When you, when you create a space for people to have these kind of conversations, you enable it to be less taboo. You make it okay and acceptable to talk about it, and you kind of chip away at the stigma. Like I had mentioned, you know, I, you know, at with Manmukti, we've been able to connect with so many people who have essentially said. Yes, I struggle with this as well or I know someone who has and that can really help a person because it validates your experiences. I think one of the things that's really hard about going through any kind of experience is if you don't have validation, right? Mm. If you feel like you're the only one or if you have people knocking you down or diminishing your feelings, but just to feel validated and to know that this is real, this happens. It's not my fault. It's okay. That can be empowering. And that's it's kind of the basis, at least storytelling is, is a lot of the work that I do both at Brown Girl and Manmukti. So that's really important. And I think either being able to create spaces, you know, where people can have those conversations. It sounds silly, but at least my best friends know, I will ask them, I'll be like, how's your mental health doing? Or how are you feeling about this? And yeah, like, I mean, we chuckle a bit. And then the first couple of times they did, because it's not something we're going to go around saying, right? Yeah, and it's true. weird, because you'll say like, hey, are you feeling okay? Like, I heard you were sick the other day physically. Yeah. But like, um, you know, you're not gonna say, hey, how are, how are you doing mentally these days? And so I got chuckles. But then after that, you know, I had my friends were like, Oh, well, like, you know, I've actually been having a hard time with this, or I think I'm struggling with this. And it kind of made it easier. And then they felt validated, and, and they felt better. And same, same with me, you know, vice versa, like I, I talk about, you know, my struggles, and and how I'm feeling mentally and emotionally, you know, with people, because it's important, you can't keep that all bottled in. So that's one way. So the one way is, you know, helping create those spaces. Another thing is, um, listening I think is really important oftentimes people who are struggling or or think that they might be struggling with something mental health related they just need someone to listen it goes back to validating their experience um so that's really important is knowing how to be a good listener I wasn't always a good listener I still kind of struggle with it but it's something I've kind of consciously been aware of and and try to improve on Mm -hmm. because people really need that and those are just some easy ways to to kind of help people I think
0: that's, I love that. No, listening, and I love how you were saying about, you know, talking to your friends and checking in with them, because it's true, we don't usually talk about these kind of things. But if you do kind of check in with each other, and then the more you do it, the less you feel awkward about it. I think that mm-hmm. that's, that would be so great and so helpful to a lot of people that are listening to kind of adopt that into their own friend circle and let's all take care of each other and make sure that everybody's okay. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about manmukti.org if anybody wants to get involved with it or if they even want to submit their own story?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So manmukti, like I said, is essentially we focus on sharing stories. Uh, so if you go through the website, you'll see that we do that through a lot of ways. We have testimonials, uh, which are kind of people's essays slash articles, so to say they're written pieces of their mental health stories, right? We have a podcast series called stories of stigma. Um, it's available on iTunes, you know, Google play, all that great stuff. And you can go through there and you can, you know, either submit your own story just through the website or, or email is info at If you want to submit it through there, you can also, we also have resources. Um, like we don't directly provide any kind of treatment or any sort of way, but we can maybe direct you to places that do right. So we actually have mm-hmm. resources categorized by faith. Um, you know, if you're looking for oh, mental wow. health resources, yeah, for Muslims or for Sikhs or for Hindus, um, for kind of the major faiths that cover. For South Asia. We also have resources by state. So if you're in Alabama, if you're in Texas and you're looking for uh, a mental health resource or even a South Asian specific mental health resource in your area, we have some listed there. We have a forum where people can pose questions um, talking to one another, you know, about mental health, about being oh, South Asian. Great. Yeah, so tons of great stuff. I'd really encourage everyone to go. And if you want to get involved, again, just email info at um, We have tons of ways that people can get involved. Currently, our one of our most popular ways is our ambassador program. We have a team of about 30 ambassadors that are currently located all over the U.S. and Canada, and their mission is to spread the mission of Manmukti in their own communities and circles. Right? Because while we did have a website and a podcast series. It's so important to create change offline as well. And so they're really big on
0: helping us do that across the nation internationally, essentially. Do you think that you'll have like conventions or like just even meetups in the future?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So currently we have like small meetups just with our internal team um, because we all do work remotely, you know, on a part time uh, volunteer basis. So we have meetups just to get to know each other better and, and to connect with one another. But we're working on it'd be great to have more, you know, larger meetups. Currently, we speak at different events. We partner with other organizations to co-host events or social media campaigns or things like that. But that's definitely in the works for us. We're a baby. We're at least we're not even a year old yet. Um to hit our one year and i'll make a birthday party happen probably but yeah we definitely are excited to do a lot more in the future for sure
0: now how do you feel like um i know you said it's only been a year so far but uh with the with our parents generation like i don't know how much your parents know about what you've gone through or what you're doing right now but mm-hmm. how do you feel like have you seen any positive change at all with the relationship between the parents and the child and and uh and this whole issue
1: yeah, so we've definitely, um, while we haven't necessarily interacted with that age demographic, that uh, of our parents, as much as we had, li- we would have liked to, um, it's definitely in our radar. But currently, we're, I think we're focused on the 20 kind of year old age range. And that's just mm-hmm. because a lot of us who are involved with the Munmukhi are in that age range. Um, it just kind of happened by accident. But yeah what i've seen is that kind of that platform for storytelling being able to have open on honest conversations about mental health is something that can help when it comes to talking uh, with the parents i know a lot of members of manmukti like have been a little bit more encouraged to talk about mental health with their parents in light of the work that we're all doing and it's interesting as well also because as you get older there's definitely a point where you realize that your parents are people too right yeah, like they yeah. stop from being just your mom and dad and it's like oh like they're an adult just because I'm an adult now too, you know, and you you kind of get it, right? And then, then you think about your parents at your age and, and you're like, like wow, there are people too. They are people. And I think it makes it easier to have those conversations because it's not coming as, well, they're my mom and dad, you know, they're an auntie and uncle, they're not going to understand. It's like, they're a South Asian person too, just like you are, you know, and nobody probably talked to them about mental health, you exactly, know, exactly. Um, assuming. So it's definitely helped in, in terms of I think, encouraging us, from what I can see, at least, it's encouraged, you know, some of the people I know to talk to their parents about their mental health issues. And we've also had people um, from those generations who are working with Manmukti Mukti right now who've reached out to us to want to work with us. Um, so it's definitely not a thing. I wouldn't say, like, you, there's no concept of that in that generation, right? People are very open. People are very aware. And I think people are even happy that Manmukti Mukti is there, right? We've had people... Uh, say to us that I wish Manmukti was around when I was a teen or when I was in my 20s, you know, and and now they're in their 40s and 50s and they want to get involved and they want to help and they want to help other people in their generation understand that mental health isn't something we should be ashamed of. So that's been really awesome to see.
0: Good. I'm very glad to hear that. With social media, that's one thing Mm -hmm. that I want to know, like, how can we sort of help ourselves kind of go down that rabbit hole, because you know how it is, you're scrolling on Instagram, you see people that seem to have perfect lives, but you know, obviously, none of us really do. How can we sort of prevent that part from affecting us on um, a mental health level?
1: That's a really good question. No, and I say that because I so I work in marketing, and I specifically I work in social media marketing a lot, and I've become more and more interested in that. And so 90% of my day is spent on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And I totally get that feeling of You know, we see this craft of everyone's seemingly perfect lives, right? Because people put out there what they want you to see specifically. I think there's a few things you can do. I think one, it's hard, but just to kind of keep an active thought in your head of like what you're seeing on an Instagram feed or a Snapchat story, like that's not encompassing of an entire person's life, right? Like they're picking those bits that they want you to see and putting a filter or a sticker or something on it, you know, to make it prettier. It's not real. It's not raw. Um, It's very much kind of what someone does usually, right? Mm -hmm. Another thing I think is, if that's something that is taking away from your mental health, it's okay to step away from it, right? Like, I've done social media detoxes. Like, we don't have to be on our phones all the time. It's funny because I think the technology in the world that we live in today kind of tells us that everything is in this little device that's in the palm of your hand, right? Like, dating apps and and how to plan your life and a calendar and, like, all these things. But it doesn't have to be. And for decades and centuries, we lived without it, right? And Mm -hmm. we lived happy lives, maybe shorter lives because, you know, maybe we died a little earlier. (laughs) But, I mean, happy lives. So there's so much else you can do. So I would say that then this is just me speaking personally, you know, if it's something to where it's affecting you that much, one, you can only step away from it, right? Two, it's important to remember that everyone is putting up something that just makes them look good. And the best way to remember that is look at yourself. Are you putting up content that is so reflective of your everyday life? Probably not. You're probably putting stuff that, you know, looks a little bit more pretty or polished to keep that in mind. And another thing intention I think is kind of important um, and it kind of helps you stay grounded at least for me like when I put up stuff I think you know am I do I really want to show off this I don't know cool new sweatshirt I have or whatever or do I want everyone to look at it and, and think I'm cool like am I getting validation from it which isn't wrong because I think to some extent you can't have validation from social media and that's fine but I think if, if that's where your only source of validation is coming from if you don't have enough likes or tweets or it's actually funny I was reading an article yesterday apparently so this is alleged but it mentioned that Instagram apparently with withholds likes from people like it doesn't show you yeah I'll have to find you the source so it was like it it was some article saying that it's well known in the industry that Instagram will only show you a few likes that you get in the hopes that you'll come and click back to to like look for more so they're like feeding into your insecurities now how true that is I don't know but in a sense, I wouldn't be surprised because, you know, and I'm I'm victim of this too. You don't get enough likes on something. You're like, oh, did everyone not like it? Am I not cool? Like, do I not have self-worth? And like, that can be a thing for some people, not everyone. Um, but just remembering that it's not as accurate as it is and you have worth outside of it, I think is really important.
0: You know what? That actually is really funny because I noticed that, okay, if I go on to Instagram and I use Instagram Um, kind of to put like my makeup work out there and to Mm -hmm. get the podcast out there and all that kind of stuff. So I'm looking at it from more of a business, um, viewpoint, um, Mm -hmm. and a marketing viewpoint. But, uh, if I post something and then, you know, you see the likes coming and and all that and comments or whatever. Um, if I go back into Instagram, like maybe five hours later, I'll Mm -hmm. get a like right away. And I'm just like, how do they know? How do they know that I'm on at this very moment? And then I get a like right away. I don't understand. So now that makes a lot of sense what you're saying. I don't know. I'll share
1: it with you, the link, but I don't know, man, technology.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what you're saying about like, you know, how these social media apps can be a little bit manipulative and stuff like that. And that, you know, we all need to kind of open our own eyes up to it. So I think, yeah, I like that idea of a social media detox.
1: Mm-hmm. It's hard. <laughs> it's so hard. I like <laughs> missed my phone. And like, because I also I mean, with Brown Girl and Nanmukti, I work remotely. So I have a lot of connections remotely. I mean, you know, I found you remotely. So it's like, You forget that there can be a a great life outside of that sometimes, I think, especially when you're so immersed in it. And I was like, I miss my friends. I miss my Instagram story. But uh, (laughs) it's good. It really helps you, I think, center yourself. And that's not to say, you know, social media is terrible. There's a lot of great stuff that can come out of it. A lot of great
0: stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. But I think, yeah, being able to filter it in your own mind and and, uh, knowing that exactly what you're saying, that not everything is as it seems. But yeah, there is a lot of great stuff happening on social media. I mean, I mean, manmukti.org wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the internet. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that definitely does help. So thank you so much for being on the podcast and for sharing your story with us. And to share this website that you guys have created, I think it's really – it's so important in our culture. And I – hope, you know, if anyone is listening that is going through depression or any sort of mental health issues, I hope you do definitely check it out and, and share your story. I encourage you to share your story. Even if you want to be anonymous, it's fine. But we have to talk about these things because we have to reduce the stigma around them. So check it out, munmukti.org And if you want to follow Faria, it's following Faria on Instagram. So that's, the, that's your name on Instagram, following Faria. And you guys can connect with her. And thank you so much, Faria, for being on the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity it was really great to speak to you and your audience and I'm so excited to get to know you guys all better
0: no we're so glad that you that you shared and I'll have all of the links for everything that we talked about in this podcast episode on the blog post for this episode so definitely go check that out at com. thanks so much for listening guys we'll see you guys next week with another episode